Yeah, but 22 minutes on this will be 14 minutes edited. God, let's hope so. <laughs> well, if hanging out and drinking is something that you want to do, well, let me introduce you to my boys, Matt and Drew. For fun and laughs and spirits, there's just one place to go. It's time for the Whiskey Tequila Friday Show. Whiskey Tequila Friday Show with my boys, Matt and Drew. Happy Friday, Drew. Happy Friday, Matt. And happy Friday to all of you out there, and welcome to Whiskey Tequila Fridays, our podcast where we drink some whiskey, drink some tequila, have a little fun. Have a little fun. Absolutely. So this is our second episode. We and are back again. <laughs> if you are joining us, thank you so much for following us and for lingering with us, <laughs> yeah, right. for putting up with us. We Slogging hope, through another episode. Yeah, we hope that this is going to be fun. We do want to educate, right? We do want to libate. We want to, we want to libate too, yeah. Educate and libate. That's right. That's our thing. That's our thing. It's a t-shirt. Yeah. It's not a t-shirt, but it will be. <laughs> So, this episode is themed or titled Beginner Spirits, right? Yeah. So Beginner what, Buys. Beginner Buys. Because I like the alliteration. That's great. All right. So, what makes a beginner buy? There are three things that we feel that are common, and then maybe a fourth one that gets tagged along with the whiskey. More that, so on the whiskey, for yeah, sure. That's fair. Okay. So, the three things above and all else is the price, right? Absolutely. Budget is going to make a beginner spirit, right? right? The second one is availability, accessibility. Yep. If it's never on the shelf, how can you go and buy it? Correct. So it's got to be cheap. It's got to be available. And then the third one, it's quality, right? Absolutely. Is it, we're not drinking swill here. We're right. drinking some good stuff. Right. So and I think people would be surprised at the price points that we've brought today are price points where typically you would look at me and run when I said, oh, this is this much, you turn and run away. You wouldn't even say no politely. Yeah, we're hoping for some sticker shock, but in a good in way. In a good way. Yeah. Good sticker shock. So that fourth category, that fourth factor that is not really present in tequila yeah, as much. Not as much. It, but it is in whiskey, and that's proof. Right. Right. And so... We can talk for just a moment about proof and that if you're going to get into whiskey, it's not a good idea to go with the really high proof, barrel strength, really strong stuff, right? Yeah, if you're the if you're if we're talking about the beginner, yeah. I think jumping in on something that's 120 proof is just going to blow you away. It's a tall order. Yeah, that's yeah. asking a lot for somebody because we can make the assumption that these spirits are going to be mixed no matter what, or maybe if they're mixed, they're going to be mixed and then eventually tapered down to where you could tolerate a neat pour. And that's why we liked what we picked because both of these spirits are good neat and good in a cocktail. Right. right? Absolutely. So do you want to talk about what you have in your glass? Yeah. Let's bring it out. So let's, just, my, get to, let's just, just get to the just booze. Just whip it out. <laughs> so in my... <laughs> In my whiskey, I, I was hoping this would last longer before it got awkward. <laughs> no, there, there goes the E. We, we <laughs> have the right. E now. All right. So for my whiskey, I brought Evan Williams 1783 small batch. Awesome. 
So that is a Heaven Hill product. The small batch doesn't really mean a whole lot. You could put 30 barrels, you could put two barrels, you could put 2,000 barrels together and call it a small batch. There are no rules really that determine what makes it a small batch. Gotcha. But it is a great beginner whiskey because it is 90 proof, it is $20, and it is always on the shelf. Wow. $20. If you had shown me a $20 whiskey before I had tried this, right, or before yeah. you had introduced me to these things, I would have never even touched it. Yeah. No, that's you're, you're thinking like Yukon Jack or <laughs> some, something that's oh, going to just... Gosh. Fraternity brother handing you something at the bar, and you just have to drink it because right. you're supposed to, or whatever. Right. Yeah, there was this drink called a gorilla fart, <laughs> and it was like equal parts Yukon and what's the one that's smooth as silk? What's the Canadian one? Uh, Kessler's. It was equal oh. parts like Kessler's, <laughs> Yukon, and something else. And Gorilla Fart was an apt name. Uh, was it like Jaeger? Wasn't like no, Jaeger it wasn't to, Jaeger. To it was another. It, it was three. Some, it was three whiskeys. Just three bad whiskeys. Oh, oh, don't say Yukon Jack. <laughs> if you say it three times, <laughs> there, he, we, he appears. We might conjure up something. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Oh man, that is awesome. So what? What is 1783? What is is that? So 1783 is the year that the distillery was opened. Gotcha. Which is interesting because 1792 is when Kentucky became a state. Oh, that's right. And we've had 1792 yes. at your place. Yes. Yeah, okay. And, and we'll highlight that maybe oh, in the I think future. we'll have to that's do a, that a little, one. Little what was that one? That teaser. one was 100 and something proof. Yeah, that's 125 proof. Yes, yeah. that's one that's not to be messed with on the beginner <laughs> no, buy episode. Not a, not a beginner whiskey, no. <laughs> but I think it's interesting that they were distilling before they were even a state. Right. I, I think that's kind of cool. But, you know, while you're waiting for statehood, <laughs> you're going to need a beverage. Yeah. <laughs> so you I might mean, as well. Yeah, right. <laughs> They've got all this stuff. They've got what they need. So why not just yeah, do it? Yeah. Why not do it? Yeah. So what about you? What do you have for your tequila? So today I brought the Cimarron Blanco. And full disclosure, I also brought the Reposado. Oh, you brought two. I, I brought two. I just, you know, for grins. Um these are coming out of Distillery 1146. I think we were talking about the gnome in the first episode, right? You can look and find where these tequilas are made. This is a just so cool. The Blanco I got for $16.99, and I think the Repo was $19.99. All of this plus tax, I think I was out the door for about $40, $41. That's nice. That's crazy. That's hard to beat. Two bottles for 40 bucks. You can hardly get Senior Frog Cuervo Swill for that amount. Yeah. Right? The And these are high quality. In this distillery, they are making some big hitters in the tequila world. Artenome 1146, Don Fulano, Fuente Seca. These are names that I, you know, if you've looked around, these are the expensive bottles. Sure. Tears of Yorona, at least in Chicago area, that's a $270 bottle. Yeah, that's in the special case. That is it. That's behind the the glass, behind locked doors. Yes. Behind the guy, behind the guy. Behind (laughs) the guy, exactly. The guy behind the guy. It is top quality distillery. So you would say this is maybe their 
their budget line. I of, think this is their budget dis- line. Of that quality distillery. In a distillery where every other bottle is going to be 40 to, to $280, yeah. here's a Blanco and a Repo for both under 20 bucks. That's pretty amazing. That's budget. That That's, is budget. And it's value. It is definitely value. It's definitely high quality. This one is another one that's on the additive free list, certified additive free on the Tequila Matchmaker app. We can geek out about additives at some point, but just know that a lot of tequilas have an additive to give it a taste, to give it a mouthfeel, to give it a color. There are, even when it says 100% agave, there may be additives. This one that, is certified additive-free. Yep. They can put that 1% mm-hmm. and still call it 100% agave. Right. It's only through the Tequila Matchmaker app or website that you can ensure truly additive-free. I think so. Once you get around to it, you can start tasting the additives. You can maybe feel it on your hands if you put a little bit of the tequila and rub it you yeah, know, in I your saw palms. That. I saw that. Um, you get a sticky feel or a it, glycerin feel. It's tacky if there's yeah. a, re- a residual tackiness. Yeah. Right. But you know, this one on the Tequila Matchmaker app, it's rated in the Blanco is an 82. Uh, the Reposado is an 82 as well. I just had to click on it here for a second. Anything above an 80... Has been a hitter. Yeah. I have not been disappointed. Don't think of this like wine ratings where it has to be 90 or above. Right. Tequila is a little bit different in that regards. And then the proof aspect is not as big of a deal in tequila because almost every tequila you're going to see is 80 proof. Yeah. We we might come across some still strength stuff Mm -hmm. and then some mezcals are a little bit higher proof. Right. But most of our tequilas that we'll be drinking... Are 80 proof. Right. There yeah. are some there are some high proof, and I would not suggest a mezcal for a beginner because there's a lot of yeah. funk and there's a yeah. lot of flavor going on mm. in there that you and I love. I can't wait. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you and I, and we're going to get there eventually where we're going to bring up some mezcal, but not for the beginner. Yeah. It's too funky. <laughs> too funky. <laughs> too funky. <laughs> so are we ready to drink? I don't see why we wouldn't. All right. Um, have we been drinking so far? Oh, yeah, we warmed up a little bit. We warmed up. Yeah. We warmed up. I wanted to mention, you know, we had the El Tesoro Repo on the last, on our first episode. Yeah. And I found an old bottle of a Blanco when you and I were hunting. Yes. And we were talking, we need to do a couple of hunting episodes yeah, and we talk can about what it means to go hunting and sure. what you're looking for. We got to do that on a... Sure. Because I mean, that's I am, what we do before... I mean, I am... The, you are uh, the uncertified whiskey hunter. Yes, right. So we got to bring it up. Yeah. yeah. But, but just, what about this just, bottle? This just is... staying true to the game, though, before we're even three minutes into this episode, we're already planning another one. <laughs> <laughs> Always moving forward, yes, man. Always. Always moving forward. We have to have a show on that. Yeah. For sure. Let's take a sip. Cheers. Cheers. So I just got a lot of real typical standard bourbon notes, you know. A little bit of oak. This okay. is this is noted to be in the six to eight year range. They don't really state it. So, in really, the, yeah, in a twenty dollar bottle that's been aged six to eight years. Well, they don't state it. That's just what it's rumored to be. Okay. So, whenever you're on the websites, on the blogs, on whatever, if you see NAS, that means non-age stated. So okay. that means they didn't put 
they didn't release it, and that's because they will often blend different gotcha, years. And gotcha. if if they if they grabbed a bunch of eight year old bourbons, and they put one barrel of six year bourbon, then they would have to label that bottle as a six year bourbon. They okay. wouldn't be able to to mention how how many or you know they could say well we got a lot of old stuff in there like they yeah, can't they right. can't mention that they have okay. to put the youngest juice that's in there makes so sense a lot of them will just go with a non-age statement you know and then they will reserve their age statements for what they know that it's good and know it's past, gotcha you know. so is it even possible that there's a barrel that was only going two years but it was worth putting in there or? it's possible anytime that uh, it says straight bourbon whiskey, mm-hmm. it has to be at least two years old. Okay. So you see that straight bourbon whiskey in that on that label, then you know you're dealing with at least a two-year-old juice. Gotcha. Gotcha. And this one is a bourbon. Explain what that means on the mash bill again. So, yeah. So bourbon means at least 51% corn. So for this mash bill, it's the same mash bill across all of Heaven Hill, or I should say most of Heaven Hill, 78 corn. 12 malted barley, and only 10% rye. So a relatively low rye mash bill. This one's 90 proof. They did change the bottle recently. They went with uh, an 86 proof rounded kind of bottle Mm -hmm. to this newer 90 proof, sleeker, more of a skinny side to it type bottle. Sure. I don't know why they upped it in proof, but I do like the fact that it went up a little bit because I'll tell you, for the beginner drinker, I'm going to assume that our listener, if you're out there, thanks for listening. Right. That Matt's gonna, mom and <laughs> what did she pull in her neighbor for this one? They're gonna, She's already disappointed. She's it, not mad. She's just disappointed. Just disappointed. They're going to be drinking this in a cocktail. Right. Right. So yeah. if you have something too low and then you dilute it, you put ice, you put tonic water or ginger ale or whatever... You want something that's still going to stand up. So going up four proof points, that's not a lot, but it will help to make it stand out a little bit more in a in a cocktail. Gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense to me. All right. Well, should we go in for a second sip here? Yeah. On that second sip, now, I always talk about when I'm drinking bourbon, the only way that I know that I'm drinking bourbon is that it's almost like a coconut aftertaste. Yes. The finish always reminds me of sweetened coconut. Yeah, you mention that a lot, and I don't always get that, but I can kind of see where you're coming from. Sure. And I always wonder, is that the barrel influence? Is that the corn? Is I, I'm trying to figure out where that's coming it, it from. Must, but It must just be some kind of mix of the barrel and the corn sweetness yeah. that makes me think of coconut. Yeah, but you're that's, not the only one that has given that note. It's, okay. it's a common note in a lot of bourbons. And on that second sip, too, I got a lot more fruity-type flavor. What? Yeah. How about you? Yeah, no, definitely some more red fruits. I get a mm-hmm. little bit a little bit of cherry, a little bit of raspberry, maybe even red apple skin. Just some of those red fruits. That, red apple skin? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So some of those red fruits that, if it's all blended together, you don't really know one specific fruit. Sure. But it's all, it just tastes red to me. I always like your description of red fruits. Because I can't pick out apple skin, but we all know we've all had red fruits. Oh, yeah. And maybe we've had a bunch of them that had been kind of like stewed together or made into a compote or whatever. Yep. 
that's what it always tastes like to me. I can tell it's red versus if you're drinking wine and it just tastes like purple. <laughs> purple? Yeah, I don't know. No. Some, sometimes <laughs> colors do have a taste. Yeah. You can get those descriptors that you can't necessarily put a, right. a, a specific word into it, but it just tastes It's like George Carlin. Red. Remember his thing? Where is the blue food? <laughs> Where are you hiding it? <laughs> don't tell me blueberries. Those are purple, too. All right. That yeah, this is this is great. This is twenty bucks. Yeah, twenty bucks for this. And the best part about this is that not always do I pair my whiskey with food. Okay, but I, I have come across some food pairings that really just jump out and stand out to me. Oh sure. So, and with this bourbon, I've noticed a raspberry note that if yes. I just taste. A fresh washed raspberry. Eat it, swallow it, then take a sip of bourbon. It just amplifies that note, and it feels like I'm tasting like a raspberry on steroids. You know. Gotcha. So that is one thing that, again, I don't always pair my bourbons with necessarily food all the time. Okay. But if you were to try this, if you were to go out and get yourself a bottle of the Evan Williams 1783 small batch. Stop by the store and get a couple raspberries while you're at it, yeah. you know, and just taste those with the bourbon and see what you can come up with. And maybe even, heck, make a cocktail, you know, just with some ginger ale and some ice, but then throw in some uh, some mushed up raspberries with it, too, to see if that... Oh, yeah, muddle a that, raspberry yeah, in there? Yeah. Awesome. Well, we don't have raspberries today, but we do have something that we could do later on. Yeah. Now, I don't know if this is when we're going to be doing the quick sips... Or <laughs> you have that thing just locked and loaded now, ready. don't you? I was ready. Oh <laughs> man! All right. So I don't, you you will be doing this at the time like it's remember Pee Wee Herman's Pee Wee's Playhouse? Yes. When it was the word of the day and everybody yeah, would scream. The word of the, yeah. Like I, now I have to avoid <laughs> saying it. So at the moment when we drink one and then drink the other, we'll have to try the the cherries too. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Should we try with this Blanco? Let's move on. Yeah. Let's try some tequila. What we, did you... We kind of have to move on quickly because we're a little low on these bottles. Yeah. Should we, we... let them in? So this is not the first time we've tried this episode. <laughs> we really no. like these bottles. In fact, it's the fourth time. <laughs> <laughs> but we are trying to stay true to it because we really like these bottles as beginner bottles. We believe firmly that if you're going to get into this, you should get bottles like this or get these exact bottles because they are truly hitters for the price. Can't beat them for the price. But yeah, we we recorded this once and we thought it was flat. So we... A little forced. A little forced. So we said, okay, let's just start over again. And... If people aren't aware of the process, what we do is we're sitting here sipping the whole time we're doing this. And we might even have a few sips beforehand just for a little... Because I'm way funnier and better looking. <laughs> because we're warming up our palates, too. Oh, is that what yeah. it is? Yeah, we got oh, I thought it was just for, for <laughs> appeal. In vino veritas. Right, exactly. So we recorded it a second time, and when I listened to it again, I said, oh, man, like we're too drunk to release it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know. We were drunk. We were too buzzed. We, we did. Too we buzzed. did two shows in one sitting. Is what we did. Can't do it. Yeah. No. That's. Yeah. So we did a third one that I had all edited, and then I erased everything. <laughs> so here we are on number four. So the bottles are a little low. So we got to move on. Yep. All right. Let's try this Blanco. Again, this is $16.99 Cimarron Blanco coming out of distillery 1146. Give it a little smell. What are you getting? Oh, just such a sweet agave note. I get agave, right. but I get a sweetness that's almost almost like a honey. Dare I say like honeysuckle, like a honeysuckle flower. Oh. Like that's what I'm smelling here. All right. Which you've never eaten, as we established <laughs> on the last one. Actually. Have you eaten a honeysuckle? You must I have. have. Okay. I have. Yes. That Everybody have. did. Yes. But here's, okay, here's a good story. There, <laughs> in my hometown, by my house, it was a downsloping hill. There was a car wash down on the lower half. So the top okay. of the hill is my house. Middle of the hill is a car wash. Yep. Bottom of the hill is the grocery store. Where was the kid who played the banjo? <laughs> there was no oh. banjo. Sorry. We, could, was, we couldn't afford a banjo. That we was a deliverance <laughs> reference. I'm sorry. So the car wash had this like sloping hill that was basically like water runoff from the cars, you know? Okay. And along this hill, there was this ivy that grew. It was all over the hillside. And in the spring or summer... Honeysuckle would bloom along with the ivy, and we would hang out waiting for our school bus, and we would pick the little honeysuckle flowers, and we would pull the little stem and then, like, suck out the honey or whatever. Yeah. And then, like, one, like our parents finally got wind of what we were doing, and they're like, don't eat this. <laughs> like, right. Like, like, you're like eating, like, nickel <laughs> cadmium water. <laughs> like, Toxic waste from the right. car wash. Aaron Brockovich <laughs> is running over there. <laughs> Full like, sprint. I'm sure the soil quality was less to be desired. Like, You're drinking hexavalent. <laughs> <laughs> but that was my honeysuckle reference. Yeah. So you fucking liar. You did <laughs> eat a flower. You're telling me. You're talking to me. This is just two weeks ago. You can't believe. <laughs> I would taste a flower, and here you are. You're you're eating fucking car wash flowers. I did. I oh, the truth comes I was, out. I was a little high and mighty there, wasn't I? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I'm going to go back and listen to it. No, but uh, flowers aren't food. <laughs> that's a rose petal and a honeysuckle stem. That's a little bit different. Wouldn't Look, you? the honeysuckle is basically the gateway flower, my man. <laughs> From there, I just had to try it. I just had to get more. I just needed more. Oh, my gosh. All right. You know, when I'm smelling this, that sweet smell I feel like is that sweet cooked agave. Yeah. And it just... It just invites it, you to go in, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's not an overpowering agave note, it, no. but it is sweetness. But then, are you getting vegetal, earthy, grassy behind that? A little... Grassy note, yes. I'm getting some grassy notes, yeah, that are pleasant, right? Not by any means, no, you know, off putting, right? Right. Should we give it a taste? Yes. Salute. Salute. So I get the agave, I get a little peppery feeling, even right away. A lot of times I don't get the pepper until after, 
Definitely earth, definitely some vegetal notes. That agave is super sweet. A little bit of an oily mouthfeel, even like a buttery aftertaste. How about you? Yes, I can get on board with that buttery mouthfeel. For a relatively thin liquid, it still has some kind of an oily residue yeah. that is pleasant. It it gives it a softness that would otherwise be sharp. You know what I mean? Sure. It might come off as a sharp sweetness, but it's a very, very oily kind of sweetness. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's fantastic. For the price, this is delicious. I... Can you believe this thing is $17? I mean, all day long. I'll, I'll buy this all day long. Just about every other Blanco that I have on, you know, in my collection is going to be 40 bucks. Double the price. Double yeah. the price. Yeah. Another sip. Now, with that second sip, I got more of that pepper, of that earthiness. Okay. A little grassy to go along with the nose. That was it not as sweet on the second sip. How about I you? would agree. I would agree. Not as sweet on the second sip, more earth. I still get that buttery herbal yeah, you know, finish. I don't I don't know how to describe it exactly, but it's But isn't it great how it changes? Isn't yeah. it great how it each sip can change if you're just focusing on it, maybe Tuning out that around you, you know, tune out all the distractions around you. Just sit back after a hard day. It's Friday. We've worked hard all week. Right. We're going to just sit back and enjoy this and geek out about it. Talk about it. Oh, man. That's what whiskey and tequila is for. Can I geek out on Cimarron just a little bit? Do it, man. So I want to tell you that I, I have not visited these distilleries. I The only way I know about these things is from... The Google... The Googles. What I did not realize is that the owner of the distillery, Enrique Fonseca, owns this brand as well as the other brands that are coming out of that distillery. It's He's not going out and contracting. He's using 100% estate-grown blue agave. We've already talked, so he's controlling the entire process. So this is estate-grown yep. as well. Yeah. For $17. That's... That's the definition of a bargain. Yeah. It is crazy. And so, and this is what I did not realize, and that is that they're using a proprietary crushing method. It's a it's a combination of a screw mill and a roller mill. So it's different than a tahona. Right. So instead of this big volcanic rock stone wheel, it's more of like a steamroller type thing. Sure. And it's what they're doing is they're increasing the efficiency. If you're going to put out a quality Blanco for 17 bucks, you need it to be more efficient. Right. And then he also is not using water. And we'll have to get somebody else in here to geek out about that process. But there's there's no added water in the crushing so that there's no watering down of the juice. Yeah, right. He's cooking it in an autoclave, which we could think about this as a pressure cooker. Okay. Speeds up the process a little bit, but it's still a natural process. It's no different than a slow cooker versus the Instapot. We're just using some pressure to speed up the process. Yeah. 
and it's low pressure, so it's cooking for about 30 hours. Then it is going out. He's fermenting in stainless steel tanks using deep well water. This one is grown at 4,600 feet. I think the last one, what were we talking about? 6,900 feet? So it's still an elevation. Right. But it's a, it's maybe we're talking about the foothills versus top of the mountain yeah. type thing. Yeah. Two times distilled, no additives. It is amazing how clean this is. So I've geeked out on this now way too long. <laughs> clean is the operative word. Clean is the yeah, operative word. I get a good clean taste. Should we should we just get a little sip of the repo? All right, let's go. Why wouldn't we? Yeah, it's no. here. Right. Ooh, what are you getting on the nose? A little softer agave it is. than the Blanco, right? Which you can assume, being resting in a barrel, mm-hmm. it's going to be a little mellowed out. Right. But... I mean, there's just a tiny bit of vanilla. It's you, not overwhelming. Yeah, do you get just it's, the littlest bit of oak? Yeah. Tiny bit of vanilla and oak. You have to work for it. It's not going to give it to you. No. You got to work for it. For sure. And I, I think with all tequilas, I got to get in there three, four times. Yeah. I got to smell the agave, get used to that before I can start smelling anything else. Yep. And this is the reposado, right? Every reposado is going to be aged two months to to a year. Right. This one gets four months in American white oak barrels. Yeah. I get a little bit of oak. Maybe can you pick up on some barrel spice? Not, it's not overwhelming. Yeah. Still, still a good amount of agave that covers Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. most of it, but yeah. Back into that vegetal earthy kind of, are you doing a quick sniff? Oh, going back to the Blanco after after the Blanco, I mean, after you've been smelling the Reposado, the Blanco just pops, doesn't it? Yep. Earth and mm-hmm. pepper. Shall we? Salute. Salute. What did you get on that one? Well, my thought was, this is the perfect alternative to that beginner tequila drinker that maybe doesn't want to be overwhelmed with the agave. Yes. Because it's... A little more mellow. You get the vanilla. You get the oak spice. But all of it is well-balanced and just super gentle. Again, it's clean. The the word that comes back over and over again is just a clean, crisp taste. On this one, with the barrel notes, I I did not get that same buttery mouthfeel. Right. I get some oak. I get a lot of vanilla. I get a lot of caramel. Did you get a little, like, honey and clove in there at yes, the end? Yes, a little bit of honey. Yeah, I can get on board with that. Still vegetal. Yep. It's staying true to its roots, still agave forward. Yes. But at the end, the littlest bit of honey. Maybe on our second sip. Let's try. I mean, the, the thought that comes to mind is, holy crap, <laughs> you can... <laughs> You can drink this neat, or you can make a killer cocktail yeah. with this, and you're only out. I think this was 1999. Yeah, that is unbelievable. That's approaching one third the price of most reposados that we're going to taste on on right. in my collection. Right, and you still get a little bit of pepper, but with that reposado, you get. All you get vanilla, you get a good uh, spice from the oak. It's 
it's pretty well balanced. It is. I, it is. I think the barrel really adds something, especially if if we're talking about beginners trying to get reacquainted with the spirit. Maybe the Reposado is even the better way to go than the Blanco. I mean, it just kind of depends on if you're wanting like a true, like a real authentic tequila taste. Sure. Or if you want something that's a little bit more mellow that, you know, and in all transparency, side by side in the Riedels here, you can hardly even tell that they're different, right? Yeah. The, the Blanco and the Reposado, like there's, in the light, there's a tiny bit of Well, you taught color. me this. It's not the time in the barrel that gives it its, the color. It's the amount of char in the barrel. Right. And so I don't even know, does, does the white oak barrel even have char or is it just getting plain... I don't know. You you yeah, tell no, me. If 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 they say they're using white oak barrels, that I I think it's safe to assume that they're using uh, a refill barrel, whether it's bourbon or rye or whiskey okay. whiskey of some sort. That's going to be a charred new oak a new oak barrel that is that has been charred. But you don't know to what level. Like it it can't be much because this is so light. Right. It's in 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 bad lighting. It's hard to tell right. which is which. And oftentimes they will reuse them. So it's not even the first fill. It could be second fill, third fill. Yeah. So they will, talking about sustainability, they will get a lot of use out of those barrels. You know, from the moment it leaves the tree and becomes a barrel, it's used many, many times. Sure. You were talking about sustainability on a podcast recently. Well, I wasn't really on, but they did read my letter. Yes. Okay. I, I was I was privileged enough to have my email writ, read out loud by Fred Minnick. Fred Minnick is one of the guys that does the Bourbon Pursuit podcast. Okay. And Fred's portion of the Bourbon Pursuit podcast is above the char. And I posed the question of, you know, given the the pressure of sustainability, are we going to see bourbon in a barrel that's maybe not a new charred oak barrel, but maybe maybe if it's used again a second time, could it still be considered bourbon? Because by law, bourbon has to be in a new charred oak barrel. So it's gotcha. used once, and then that barrel is no longer used to make bourbon. It can be used to make anything else. Well, and that was his response, was that it's already fairly sustainable because those bourbon barrels get shipped off where? Everywhere, it sounds like. Yeah, they can go to Scotland and can be second and third and even fourth refilled for scotch, and they can go to Mexico for second and third refill of tequila. Sure. And then those used barrels get sold to tourists... (laughs) Go wherever, and or it ends up on um, in some like hobby shop because they sure. cut them. They cut them and they turn them into like indoor bars. You can turn yeah. them into, like a like a home bar, or right. can be cut up and made into furniture or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, these things get reused. Okay, awesome. All right, so are we ready for what? What are you talking about? Are we ready? <laughs> For our special contribution to oh, the spirits world. Are yeah. you ready for the quick sips? <laughs> that high porn is so amazing. <laughs> I love, too, that you're still playing it on your phone. Like, we yeah. still haven't no, found no, a way to add no, it in. Why? It's, it's simple. Yeah, We don't care. Yeah. What are we going to do? So, 
For this quick sip, we're going to start with the whiskey, mm-hmm. the Evan Williams, and we're going to then go right into the Blanco, right? All right. Excellent. All right. Cheers. For me, going from the bourbon to the tequila, and this was the Blanco, made that Blanco way better. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I thought it extended the fruit into the tequila, Yeah, but it added a pepper note. Like, it was adding more of a rye spice to the bourbon. It brought all the earthiness and the pepperiness from the tequila into that taste. And I, I thought it was exquisite. It was good. Exquisite. <laughs> you, you just sounded <laughs> like you just sounded like the dog from the <laughs> was it the Laugh Olympics? The <laughs> I can't help it. That is remember, it, that exquisite the, was so good. What was the Panther like? He was like, and it's not even like whatever this is. It's not even. <laughs> Exit stage left even. Yeah, what That's was right. that? It was it was kind of like a pan, a pink panther, but it wasn't really. A, it no, was like it the was purple a, panther or something like yeah, that. Like no, it was a total ripoff of he, the panther. I just loved the way he talked. He was you know yeah. he always. I remember that guy. And you're not even finished with the drinking even. <laughs> oh, I love it. Did you give this a little smell, the tequila, just a little nose before you went in? Yeah, I got like a just a little whiff of some funky earthiness. It was... It totally kicked up the earthiness. Yeah. And for me, it really brought out... I agree with the pepper, but it really brought out the agave. It brought out the vegetal. It so almost, you, for me, cut out the buttery okay. taste and just kicked up all the minerality. Yeah, sure. The minerality component. Yeah, I can get on that. All right. So now we're going to go Blanco back to Evan Williams. I don't see how we could make this oh. scientific without. <laughs> it's it's science. You'll have to tell me what you thought. I thought that was just okay. Yeah, it wasn't as good. I still am leaning more towards the whiskey followed by the tequila yeah. for, for, this, for this quick sip. But I thought that there was... A component of uh, a component of toffee that I didn't get before. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but yeah, a lot of caramel, a lot of oak from the from the whiskey afterwards. I didn't get too much agave or lingering. The only thing that might have lingered was the pepper. The pepper lingered definitely into the, a little bit more peppery in the bourbon. Yeah. And if if I thought that the bourbon was at all more of a cinnamon heat versus a pepper heat, which yeah. I guess is a weird thing to think about, but... It's hard to figure it out. If yeah. anybody who's had cinnamon versus pepper knows what I'm going to talk about, yeah. as, uh, as opposed to eating uh, flowers. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was definitely more pepper, and if yeah. there was a baking spice or a cinnamon heat before, it was all pepper this yeah. time. So... Before we move on to the next quick sip. <laughs> you need a little refill. You <laughs> such an awkward delay. I can't, it's just like that odd fraction of a second. I can't even cut that out. Alright, so we've got our bourbon loaded up. We've got our repo loaded up. Are we gonna go bourbon 
to Cimarron Reposado? Yes. All right. Cheers. Cheers. What did you get? So that really kicked up the oak and the barrel spice, which I think makes sense because I'm tasting something that sat right in a barrel for right. six to eight yeah. years. Both spirits were in an oak barrel, mm-hmm. yeah. But I, I didn't get a huge amount of vanilla and caramel, but no, I I got a ton I, of I get just a just a kind of an undescribable sweetness though. There was it was a very sweet definitely com, compared to the blanco after the bourbon. Mm-hmm. This repo after the bourbon. My first initial thought was just sweetness, a lot of sweet, but in mm-hmm. a good way. Just mm-hmm. a really good, well balanced sweetness of the agave. You know, like you said, the oak, the vanilla, a little bit of toffee, a little bit of caramel. Yeah. All those things wrapped into a nice package. It it was nice. I don't know if it kicked anything up. No. No. But let's try the repo followed by the bourbon and see what happens. I'm in. All right. Salud. Okay. That was fantastic. That was good. Yeah. I don't know what... Well, you're going to tell me what you got in a second, but if I can share, I feel like going from the repo to the bourbon, it kicked up all the sweetness and red fruit that we were talking about before. And then at the end, I got... Instead of that, what I always call a coconut aftertaste in bourbon... Right. I feel like it kicked up all the spice. Like I yes. got more of the rye and oak what's spices. the other yes. the rye, the rye oak and, the, and oak the, the, the grain versus the corn sweetness. Yeah. Yes, I agree totally. If you're going to have me pair this with the Blanco, then I'm going to go bourbon followed by the Blanco. Yes. And if you're going to have me drink it with the Reposado, I'm drinking Reposado first and then the bourbon second. This is the magic This is the magic of the quick sips. It wasn't even a full. What did you do? What did you? You were like halfway through the video. You're still pulling this off of YouTube. Yes. All right. Okay, I'll do it again. Damn it. Okay. This is the magic of the quick sips. I'm telling you right now, dude, I'm not cutting that. Yeah, no. no, that is, it's amazing how one being aged a little bit longer in a barrel changes the dynamic of how we, yeah. how we drink these spirits, yeah. you know? Now, earlier, this is something I'm really excited about, because we were talking about this earlier, that this is one of those bourbons that you like to pair with foods, or specifically fruit. Yes. We've got, you brought these kick-ass cherries. Mm. I brought some butterbing cherries. Yes. These are not like $3.99 maraschino cherries. No, I mean they're they're not quite as expensive as the Luxardo cherries, but okay. they're they're still going to run you 12 or 15 dollars for a jar. 12 yeah. or 15. Well, the Luxardo I think is like 20 bucks for a jar. It's Right. Even a higher step up. But well, so in keeping with the beginner buys. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We're not grabbing 
crap maraschino. <laughs> no. Have you ever heard the thing about maraschino cherries? Like, you can pull X amount of rats out yeah. of the... I don't think that's really true. I have a hard time I, believing that. I think every food has a certain amount of rat excrement that is allowable by the FDA. Oh, yeah? And so... How much do you think? Well, we don't want to... We don't, get, we don't want to get into it right now. <laughs> So, okay, so this is not rat shit. Three ninety nine maraschino cherries, but this is still you said twelve to fifteen bucks a jar. Yeah, it's expensive. That's yeah. a legit cherry. But All right, so what do we do? Are we gonna hit the cherry and then drink the and bourbon? And then drink the bourbon. Yeah. Well, let's do that. All right, let's do it. So, my first preference, I have to say, is the raspberry. Okay. So, get a raspberry if you can. You just, did you say raspberry? Raspberry. Oh, get the raspberry. <laughs> but with the cherry, followed by the bourbon, uh, to me, that just tasted like a really good Manhattan. Oh, nice. Without all the vermouth bullcrap that you have to put up with. You know, that was just... It was For just, sure. It was the good aftertaste of what a good Manhattan should be, which is just... The bourbon and the little bit of that cherry juice, you know, that's that's what I got. What did you get? So, first of all, I was struck by how good that cherry is because it has all of the sugary, sweet goodness of a maraschino cherry, but it didn't have that fake cherry chapstick right. flavor that you get in the bright red three ninety nine jar. Right. I, I can tell you spent some dough on these cherries. <laughs> all for the podcast, man. Oh, Ferda, Ferda, the cherry was good. And then with the whiskey after it just kicked it up. You called it earlier a raspberry on steroids. That was a cherry on steroids. Yeah, no, it, it brought out a good, like, alcoholy, punchy, delicious yeah. cherry. Yeah, I mean, that was fan. That was fantastic. I could probably eat those all day. How much how much more of that bourbon do you have? And <laughs> just give me a spoon should we and do, the bottle. Should we do a cherry and the rebel? Ooh. Okay. While we got them here? I mean, we're here. Let's try. Okay, that's good. I like that. What did you think? I think that this illustrates what we will prove. Through the journey of this podcast, is that when it comes to cocktails, we are going to turn upside down your thought of what a mint julep should be, or what a Bloody Mary should be, Ooh. or what a ranch water could be. Oh, because yeah. you don't have to always include the spirit that you thought had to be in that cocktail, Ooh. right? So... There are a That wasn't rehearsed. I have no I had no idea where you're going with that. I'm I'm telling you, there are cocktails that you would always attribute to a certain spirit that we're gonna throw it on its end and say, let's try an old fashioned with tequila. <gasps> let's try a mint julep with bourbon. Did we just plan two more episodes? I mean, we are going to <laughs> We're going to teach you, hopefully, yeah. that the traditional way of making cocktails is not 
really what has to be, right? Right. If your palate is for the agave spirits, if it's for tequilas and mezcals, then why should you make a mojito with rum or dirty old (laughs) rum? (laughs) Or why should you make a, you know, whatever it might be with gin or vodka or whatever? Let's, let's throw some revolution, my friends. Let's try. Yeah. (laughs) Revolution. <laughs> I I don't know if that's really Spanish for revolution, yeah, but no, I, I had to throw the tequila sounds tick a little in there. French, but whatever. Oh. whatever. Yeah, right. <laughs> but what it made me think of was how good a cocktail might be with a little reposado, some cherries, muddled or not muddled, yeah, and maybe some seltzer water. You know, a little bit of ice. That could be a great drink. It could be. Poolside, all by itself. Poolside, even. Well, I mean... Do we get a cabana boy? <laughs> where are? Where is this pool? What? I, I have no idea. Is it in the suburbs? Or is it in... I'm thinking like a white trash, like rubber tube in the backyard kind of a pool. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Well, <laughs> we should try that at some point. We, we are going to turn some cocktails on their head, but this is the beginner episode. Yeah. Let me ask you, if you're a beginner and you're picking up this $20 bottle of Evan Williams 1783, what is the beginner cocktail? For me, it's ginger ale, two to one, three to one, if you want to, you know, make it a little more diluted, but... I love just a nice ginger ale and bourbon with this. So I've always heard of like Jack and ginger as being a drink, Jack Daniels and ginger. But you're saying do this with the 1783. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because nothing brings out ginger ale more than a little red fruit. Oh, and nothing brings out the flavor of a steak (laughs) quite like ketchup. I don't know where that's coming from. You what? (laughs) Seriously, waiting? Oh yeah, no. Where I, Ryan Reynolds yeah. is the waiter and yes. the yes, the I kid. Love that. Oh yeah, Justin Long. Justin yeah. Long, yes. I love that movie. Yes. Oh my god! No, remember the redneck? None of them quite brings out the flavor <laughs> of a steak. Oh, all right. So we're gonna do. So we're gonna do the 1783 in ginger ale. I think a great beginner cocktail for the tequila is what we would call a ranch water. Yeah. What I originally learned was called a NorCal margarita. This was brought up by Rob Wolf, the, the modern-day proponent of the paleo diet. Yeah. This is how I got into tequila. We might have to geek out about this one day. Basically, here, grab some tequila, a little bit of lime juice, a little bit of club soda. But the essence here is that it doesn't have to be the... Sugar heavy margarita mix. Well, and actually, that the I, I seltzer would, water and the lime juice replaces the right. traditional Jose Cuervo jug at the Bulls. store. That's just nothing but high fructose corn syrup and right. lots of sugar and additives. That you can get a good margarita without all that stuff. Yeah, and it's it's not a margarita. It's technically a ranch water. Right. But what I, what I want you to do is I want you to be able to still taste the tequila and not hide it behind a bunch of sugar. Right. And if you're getting reacquainted with tequila, 
And tequila brings up some bad memories. Even a high-quality tequila still tastes like tequila. Start off with a ranch water. Water down the tequila taste with some lime juice and some club soda. Right. But I think it's a very clean cocktail. Adding no sugar aside from the natural occurring sugars in lime juice, which can't be that much because it's awful sour. Right. So I think this is a great beginner. It's a good cocktail. All right. Yep. So let's take a minute. We've got our glasses. We've got our ice. We've got our ingredients. Let's mix up a couple cocktails. Twist my arm. (laughs) Let's give them a taste. Let's tell everybody what we think. All right. While we go mix up these cocktails, let's listen to a little something by Joby. Let's listen to his theme song for Forsha Creek. All right. Let's do it. Excellent. Enjoy, folks. That old Forsha Creek, that's where we all meet. Skipping rocks, skipping school. Daddy taught us the golden rule. The no came Paul. Shady spot to sit. We learned everything we knew right down Foshi Creek. When the church bell rang, we headed Joss's chapel. Mother praise the Lord. Sang songs from a Baptist hymnal, then we'd ease on down. Post some dinner on the ground, right there on the sandy banks of old Foshi Creek. That old Foshi Creek, well, that's where we all would meet. Skipping rocks, skipping school. Daddy taught us the golden rule that old King Paul had a shady spot to sit. We learned everything we knew. That old Foshi Creek. Down at Tucker's store, well, it's time to make a trade. Shotgun shells, fly for sugar cane, and into Hager's farm for a game out in the field. Then we go and cool ourselves down off Foshi Creek. Down off Foshi Creek, well, that's where we all would meet. Skipping rocks, I skip school. Daddy taught me the golden rule at Old Cane Paul, and a shady spot to sit. We learned everything we knew that old Foshi Creek. Yeah, we learned everything we knew right down on Foshi Creek. Okay, we are back. We have mixed our cocktails. I used the Cimarron Blanco, about two ounces in your standard old-fashioned rocks glass with a splash of lime juice, again, organic, non-sweetened lime juice, and then topped it off with club soda. Yeah. A lot of times I would make this in a pint glass Okay. for more club soda and a, a more diluted drink. Yeah, sure. But since it's just me and you just sitting here, right? We're not trying to drink all day. That's that's a, you know. Yeah. It's a good. Yeah. yeah. We, we can hit it this way. Yep. Then when I made the 1783 and ginger, I, I don't know if a cherry is your normal additive for this. It's not always indicated, but it adds a little bit of that okay. flavor. I thought that these cherries were so good. 
Sure. So I had just a tiny little, like normal, small spoon, and I fished out one of the cherries, and whatever juice was in the spoon with it, I just oh, put yeah. in, and it has given it this incredible reddish hue. Yes, it's a good color. We're really low on the bourbon, so right. I don't even know if I have a full ounce of bourbon in this thing. Right. And then topped off with ginger ale. Yeah. So what should we start with? Your call. You made them. Ladies' choice. <laughs> uh, well, let's go with the um, let's go with the bourbon and the cherry. Okay. All right. Cheers, brother. Cheers. <laughs> Ladies' choice. <laughs> that is really good. That that is that takes a. A fall or a winter dram of whiskey and turns it into a nice summer cocktail because you've got ice. I will and drink it all ale. winter too. Oh yeah, it's it's good any time of the year, man. That's that is amazing. And I I seriously think what are these things? Bada Bing cherries, right? We need an endorsement or something because these are amazing. I'm going to sell these things all day long. Did you get some of that cherry in the? Yeah. In the cocktail with the bourbon. For sure. I mean, it's really, it's a good complimentary flavor. So right? this really sweetens everything up, which I guess ginger ale would naturally do, right? It's a soda. Right. right. Um, I guess a true comparison would be to use club soda. I don't know if club soda and bourbon would really you know, come I think, out. I think it would be fine, but the, the ginger ale adds a little bit of... Flavor, a little yeah. bit of sweetness. The cherry adds something. The, the, that's phenomenal. Yeah, it's good. I love how the ice dances. There is something about the sound of ice in a in a good old fashioned glass, isn't right? there? Yeah, that's nice. Wow, that is really tasty. Yeah, it's it's the best way to enter into the bourbon world by mixing it, diluting it, whether it be Coke or ginger ale or something, and then slowly playing with the recipe, you know, adding a little more bourbon, maybe mixing it like half and half, and then slowly increasing your amount of whiskey, obviously, Drinking responsibly, <laughs> yeah, right? right? But then that's how you don't you... want to pour an eight ounce glass of whiskey. Is that no. what you're saying? Well, over and over again. I'm not saying in <laughs> one sitting, but over time, you can start to acclimate to the flavor of the bourbon, yeah. getting stronger and stronger, and then maybe going to just on the rocks, and then even just a neat pour because there is enough to offer in this bourbon that you can get a lot of it out of just a, a nice neat pour. Because what we're trying to get out of these spirits in the end is the... The nuance. Absolutely. So let's try. I've got the Cimarron Blanco, a splash of lime juice, topped off with club soda. Salud. Salud. Ooh. This is a cocktail that accentuates... The flavor of the spirit. It does. With the ginger, the ginger ale and bourbon. 
you didn't really get a lot of the bourbon. It was a pleasant experience, but it wasn't an overwhelmingly... It's nice, and you know you're having a cocktail, but it, it deadens everything that we were tasting right. in the bourbon. Right. This, I still get a lot of agave-forward flavor. Yes. This still highlights the tequila. Yeah. Let's go in for another one. So again, if you're looking to get into the spirit, diluting it with something simple and pure and clean like club soda and organic lime juice is a great way to enjoy a nice drink, but still get the nuance of the flavor. Absolutely. This is good. I still feel like I'm getting a lot of Cimarron Blanco flavor. Right. And if I hadn't cashed out that bottle, I think it would be amazing Mm. to have some Blanco. We we, we, we killed a bottle. Just about. There's There's a taste in there. (laughs) <laughs> I think it would be amazing to have the Blanco neat and use this cocktail as the chaser. I think that would work for the whiskey, too. All right. I have some in my glass. So, I mean, this is like the never-ending podcast, but should we do a Cimarron Blanco followed by the Ranch Water Quick Sip? <laughs> <laughs> this you is always, the never-ending podcast. It but. is. It never ends. I, I'm assuming everybody's listening to this at 1.5 speed. Oh, and, 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 but they've already made cocktails, and they're ready to go, too. I mean, they're, yeah. they're ready with us. So. All right, so let's grab a little taste of the Blanco. All right. Salute. I've got a definite opinion on that. What did you think? I, I thought it was nice. I, I think that it brought out like an herbal quality to the cocktail. Really? That wasn't there before. The, the strong spirit lingering in my mouth. Followed by the cocktail, it brought out some really nice herbal notes. Really? Yeah. What did you get? This just goes to show you taste is subjective. Yeah. All I tasted was the lime juice and the club soda. It it completely deadened the tequila for me. Okay. Which, when I was first tasting the cocktail, I thought was really agave forward. It, It killed it for me. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Maybe that's just the bitterness of the lime juice that I'm getting. (laughs) <laughs> maybe you're right Alright, well let me or talk you into it Maybe I'm just getting tipsy Who knows? That could be Well, listen, before we get too tipsy Should we close this out? Yes Let's close this out So we can keep drinking And keep uh, <laughs> quick sipping now, now you're just abusing it. Now I'm just, yeah. Now I'm just a hype horn whore. <laughs> so that about wraps it up for us. We would like to thank you for listening. Please like, follow, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, all that garbage. And we are on Instagram <laughs> and we have a Facebook group at Whiskey Together Fridays Podcast. Thanks to Joby at Forsha Creek for our music. And we ask that you drink responsibly, obviously. And if you like drinking whiskey and you like drinking tequila, then it is always a Friday. Happy Friday, Drew. Happy Friday, Matt. We appreciate y'all hanging. But now it's time to go. We'll come on back for more whiskey tequila Friday show.